ask the person next to you, would you still say yes? Hello, good people. How are you? Mm. You know I love music, and I am a lover of all music. But gospel music holds a special place rooted within me. Growing up, that's all my mom and grandmother played in the car and around the house. And since we was in church like every day, <laughs> gospel music was played. When I'm going through the valleys and I need a word spoken into my life, my heart, I throw on my Be Intentional playlist, which can be found on Apple Music. That playlist has all the good old gospel music that sings to your very situation. And I mean, that playlist has been seeing me thrill. Okay. I have that good old Kurt Franklin Mary Mary, Fred Hammond, Marvin Sapp, the Clark Sisters, Yolanda, and much more. Go check it out. My siblings and I all play the piano. We were trained at Settlement Music School playing classical jazz, but my parents paid a musician by the name of Mr. Burton, good old Mr. Burton, who would come weekly to our home to teach us gospel music. Now, my sister Coquita, who will, you all will meet very soon, she was the minister of music for a long time. And I'm sure she still has it in her if she ever plays. <laughs> As for me, I'm rusty dusty. And in the words of my mother, all that money be invested in y'all. What are y'all doing? <laughs> so all of my nieces and nephews are currently being trained musically as well. Now I told y'all that my parents invested in us musically. They also had us in every opportunity there was for black kids growing up in the inner city of Philadelphia. And my mom was all for finding that good old financial aid and discounts if possible. Not only do we all play an instrument, we all are swimmers. And yes, we all have spent many hot, long summer days lifeguarding right here in our city pools. But we also had to take ice skating lessons. My parents wanted and still do want the very best for us. I used to get upset because I felt it was too much. They wanted too much. They expected too much. But now, as I'm growing and reflecting, I thank God truly for blessing me with my parents. I thank God that my parents require a certain level of expectancy from us all. Because now I too require that same expectancy for myself. My parents invested, and when I say invested, I mean they truly did that. My parents are hard workers, smart workers at that. They took what little they had, and they sacrificed in order to invest into our future. And it's six of us, y'all. Mm -hmm. So shout out to my parents. 
I truly love y'all and thank you from the bottom of my heart. No, they're not perfect and neither am I or my siblings. We all have our stuff, just like every other family. But one thing for sure, we are all pretty damn dope if I must say so myself. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to toot your own horn because I guarantee you that there will always be someone ready to silence your horn. So, y'all know this is our education series, and we are in the beginning of back-to-school season. Now, this year is very different from previous years of all schools. Traditional schooling, as we once knew it, is not accessible right now, and none of us are certain when we will return back to it. But hold on tight. We are all in this together. Remember when I told you my siblings and I all play an instrument as well as swimmers? Well, guess what? God said he ain't through because we are all in the educational field as well. <laughs> Some may think it's a coincidence, but over here on Good Food, Good People Podcast, we don't believe in coincidences. We know that it is all intentional because God's hand is in everything and he is the intentional God. So I would like to introduce you to my family this series. My family is so special and dear to my heart. I take all of them personal, so be careful. <laughs> I am seriously nothing without my tribe. I am grateful to be a part of such a growing, seeking, and praying family. God knew I needed them. We constantly push each other. Some more gentle than others, but we have each other's best interests at heart, including our friends. My friends know personally, my siblings are like their siblings, especially if they vibe with you. So let me introduce y'all to my oldest sister, who sometimes thinks she's my second mother. I guess all older siblings get into that role, okay? Please welcome Miss Coquita, aka Kita. I know some of y'all are like, wait, what's her name? Yes, her name is Coquita. And like the meme says, black girl with that difficult name, correct them each time and command them to use their full tongue when pronouncing it. And that's on period, poo. Okay? She was the first to make me an auntie. And let me tell y'all, I am a super auntie and I take my role super serious. My sibling kids are my kids. <laughs> okay? Coquita is a pre-K through 12 special educator, and she's a great one at that. So good, people. Say hello to Coquita. Hey, Kita, how are you? Hello, hey. <laughs> she a little nervous, y'all, but it's okay. <laughs> I am. What have you been consuming now that you are back in the full swing of things? Well... Food-wise, I'm a veggie person. Mm -hmm. I have more of a savory palate. I love cooking stir-fries, mm -hmm. add a little garlic, put a little heat, red pepper seeds on it, throw in zucchini, mm. peppers. I love it. So veggie-wise, food-wise, that's the type of person I am. <clears throat> okay. She can cook, y'all, too, when she wants to, but she can cook. What else have you been consuming? So book-wise, it's been a little hard since the school year has begun. But book-wise, I picked up a book called Chase the Lion. Mm -hmm. And basically, there's a manifesto that says to set God-sized goals, 
pursue God-given passions, going after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Mm. So if you set a dream, if your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. Mm. So you want to make sure you set God-sized dreams that requires God to see it through. Mm. And I've also been consuming a book. It's been taking me a while to get through it. It's called The Keys to Hearing God's Voice. We're living in a society where there are a lot of voices, you know, voices Mm -hmm. to the left, voices to the right. And I can't listen to either. So I really need to hear God's voice, especially when it comes to the matter of this world and the matter of his kingdom. Mm, Okay. I think Sarah Jake's robber just spoke on like dreaming and praying for things that you need God in. So that's right on point. I might have to borrow that. And y'all know it takes me forever to read a book, especially back in school, like you just said. Whew, I can't I can't finish my, my leisure readings right now. So Keita, can you tell us what you teach and your area of specialty? So I am a special education teacher. <clears throat> And most of the students that I have, um, predominantly I've been teaching students that have specific learning disabilities or those who may be intellectually disabled or those that have other health impairments such as attention deficit, hyperactive disorder, maybe dyslexia or dysgraphia. But I would say that my area of specialty is really helping those students who have some foundation skills with Um, phonemes and phonemic awareness and teaching them how to read Mm, okay okay now did you go to undergrad for education so no I actually went to St. Joseph's University where I was a pharmaceutical marketing major prior to that I actually wanted to be a doctor but when I really thought about it Mm -hmm. all I saw myself in was a white coat and a stethoscope I never saw myself helping people. So I went into pharmaceutical marketing because I knew that sales reps made a lot of money. However, when I worked for a pharmaceutical company, I was laid off because of a drug recall. And I started into the mental health field. And I would say that basically I was led into the field of education. It was either education or going back to school to be a pharmacist. And I put in my application and I didn't hear anything. And then the educational opportunity popped up and that was the way that I should go. I believe that it was divinely ordered. Okay. So I guess it kind of ties into my next question of why did you say yes to education? Like what made you transition into education and special education specifically? I would say as um, a believer in having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, when you accept salvation and you yield your life to him, it's, you can't say, okay, it's just this area. When you say yes, it means a total yes. Your will, your way, your decisions. Mm. I mean, you're saying yes to everything. And this is the way that he let me, the doors open. And when you say yes to God, some, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to do. Believe me, I, I held on you know, to my will for a long time, but things weren't connecting. 
But when I said, yes, he helped me, he opened up doors and paved the way so that I can go in. Mm -hmm. And even when I got in, he would continuously open up doors and opportunities for me to make money. So I would say I said yes, because when I said yes to his will mm -hmm. and his way, this was his way and his will. And that's why I'm here. Mm. I swear every day I have to like renew my commitment like not my will but let your will be done God because like you said if it was my will mm-mm I didn't cuss out some people at work. I didn't you know set them straight let the devil use me but not my will let his will be done. Okay. How long have you been in education? It's been about 18 years. Wow. And that 18 years involves behavioral health, special education, and for the past three to five years, early intervention education with the little toddlers. Mm -hmm. We need it at the foundational level. We need it. Yes, education doesn't start when you come to elementary school. It begins, and honestly, it begins at home. Say it for the people in the back, because they, you know, <laughs> some people think daycares are just like babysitting um, facilities and like you're supposed to potty train you're supposed to just you supposed to do everything and no people parents aunties uncles grandmas learning begins at home yes it's at home you are your child's first teacher you teach them the right and the left when children first put on shoes they always put them on the wrong feet mm -hmm. you ever notice that mm -hmm. it takes a parent it takes an adult to show them the right way so that learning begins at home. You know, we need to use language because guess what? People, when your child comes to kindergarten, they are expecting them to know how to read. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? So you need to be able to take it back to those old days where we had our old patriarchs and matriarchs, you know, putting up words and things around the house and on the refrigerator. And we really need to teach our children. Mm -hmm. Like you said, showing the children. It's not even just what we teach them you know speaking wise but showing through your actions because you know i think james Baldwin said like t children do what they are shown more so than what they are said to do something like that i'm gonna put the quote up y'all on on the instagram page but yes i totally agree do you feel like you were called to special education i do and when i say called it's not just a job, it's a ministry. Mm. <clears throat> I've worked with children that I've seen in daycares that people ignored because they had some behavioral difficulties. Mm -hmm. And one of, the, one of the main elements that I found that helped those children is showing them love, mm. giving them a hug because they're neglected. People don't pay that much attention to them because they act out. They may actually be that child banging their head on the floor, mm. you know, and doing undesirable things. But when I go in and I observe the child, the first thing I do, I show them love. Now it may be in different ways. Some, you know, like love in the form of a hug or a mm -hmm. squeeze or just attention, being nice to them, or just providing structure. But it starts with love. Children need to know that you care. They can pick up. Let me mm. tell you this. Mm. Children, their sense of discernment is greater than that of an adult. And they can read you better than a book, a doctor, any type of medical equipment. And they can pick up where you are spiritually. Mm. 
So it's important that you connect with them and show them love and that they see that you are genuine. Mm -hmm. That is very true. Very, very true. What would you like to see in education that is not happening or it could be better? Honestly, the whole system needs to be reformed. Mm -hmm. It is a system and powers and your teaching for tests to make this certain grade. And then in the end, what skills do our kids have? What are they coming out with? Mm -hmm. They have no vocational skills. They can't do anything with their hands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, learning, a lot of us learn by doing. Mm -hmm. We have to do first and then we can apply it. But I would like to see a whole restructuring for our students going to school every day, sitting in classroom in rows like it's 1950. It's not working for our children. It's not. Our children are different. They are not the same kids that I was when I graduated high school in 1994. They are different. They are wired differently. We have technology now, which has impacted the way that they think, the way that they see, the way that they feel. So we need a whole system overhaul. I agree. I One philosophy I have adapted in my own classroom is teaching to the whole child because it's necessary. We can't just, you know, focus on just educational, but like we have to stimulate them mentally and spiritually, physically. We have to, we have to teach to the whole child. That's important. Okay. Now tell us, you are a full-time special educator working from home as well as a parent of two. How has teaching your own children been for you? And do you have any tips for any parents listening who may not even know what or where to begin? Well, with my children, I'll tell you this story. When back in March of this year, when the whole basically country shut down, whole world, whole world shut down. <laughs> and I believe it was March 12th. They came home with laptops, iPads. And when they found out that I was going to be working from home as well, they went upstairs and cried. <laughs> <laughs> they cried. <laughs> they did not want me to be here every day teaching them because they understood what that meant. Mm -hmm. I have high expectations and I am very authoritative and I do not play when it comes to learning. You will focus, you will pay attention, and you will get it done. If that means sitting at that table all day long. So my own children cried. Oh my goodness, they like our mother. Let me tell y'all something. One time at Nova and undergrad, you know, I was out here, not going to class like I should have. My mom said, you going to Kedis. You going to sit with her every weekend, and you going to pull up your grade, and you going to do your work. When I tell y'all... After that semester, I ain't never come back. I said, oh, no, I learned my lesson. I ain't coming back. Mm-mm. So when she say she mean business, I, believe me, she she means business. But your GPA went up. I it, it sure did. Did it go up over 3.0? It, it went sure up. It sure did. It sure did. So listen, I told y'all, I'm thankful for my family. But I understand what my niece and nephew goes through. I understand. How can we take the stigma off of special education. I mean, quite frankly, we are all special. 
That's what God said anyway. So what can we do to embrace this and help others? Well, before I answer that, I want to go back to the tips for any parents listening. So I do have a son and a daughter. My son is 10. My daughter is 11. And they learn differently. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, my daughter is left brain, which means she's very analytical. She hears. She can learn from a teacher talking and just giving a lesson, you know, just showing her various things. You don't have to do much. She Mm -hmm. learns very easily. Honestly, um... As a teacher, you don't have to work hard to teach her. Mm-hmm. Okay? She grabs concepts easily and things like that. And my son is truly right brain, which means he's very imaginative. Mm-hmm. His, imagi- his imagination is like to the 1,000th power. He can play with lint. He can play with pencil shavings. He can kill many ants and form them into a ball. It does not take much for him to basically engage himself or to make up a game. And because of this right brain personality is very visual. And my son had a hard time um, understanding concepts. And because of this, he did not learn the traditional way in which my daughter did, which meant I had to study my son. But I will tell you this, as a parent, There is a DNA on your voice that can unlock problems to teach your child that is having difficulties. You can do it best. And I would sit at the table with my son and explain it in the way that he needed. Now, I'll say this. Some teachers think, well, I taught it. They didn't learn. It's not that the teacher taught it. The question should be, did the students get it? Because if they did not get it, the teacher needs to go back And to explain it in a way that the student understands. Mm -hmm. The whole point is that your students learn, not that you taught. So my son learns differently. And because I do work with him, I can see that gap, particularly in mathematics closing. Now, it's it's not an easy task, but it does take a lot of routine. We have to do drills. And I'm constantly giving him work outside of the work that he does in school. But I understand the way that he learns. And I take that and I use it. Okay, okay, yes. Y'all, did y'all get that? Did y'all write that down? Okay, so where would parents begin? Like, what should, if they new to this, where should they begin? Talking to parents, I mean, talking to the teachers or what to understand and teach their child? Well, as a parent, you would all, if we be honest, you notice some deficits in your child when they're home. Like when my son was little, I noticed that the alphabet was not sticking. Mm -hmm. So I would try to find ways to make the alphabet stick. So you see things that, you know, your child is not getting. Mm -hmm. And by going to the school, I'm pretty sure the teacher is going to bring it up. But you can work with the teacher to tell them, hey, I need this. And the teacher can give you additional materials, whether by email, can print it off for you, or even tell you where to go to find these things or neat things that they've um, learned about. That's what I would do as a teacher. I would do that with my son's first grade teacher. We would work on decodable books. She would give me a suggestion on a set to help him read better. So teachers are your friend and they can help you and they want your child to learn. So it starts with you really acknowledging those areas that your child is weak in and having those consistent conversations with the teacher. And I think parents need to be aware that when you see these things coming up in your child 
remove your ego and your pride out of the picture. It's not about you. It's about your child and their delay or their specialty has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with you and how you teach them moving forward. It's nothing that you did physically to, you know, get them this way. Just remember, we're all special. I'll say this. When I notice delays with my son and as a teacher, somehow we feel that, you know, it's a prayer of ours. Lord, when we have children, we shouldn't have to struggle. They should go to school and get everything because, you know, teaching is a ministry. We give our life. We spend our money, you know, on top of our salary so that our class can have everything that they need. And as a teacher, when my son's teacher brought these things to me, I had already saw the gaps in mathematics. And her suggestion was, we can send him back to kindergarten now. I said, well, that's, that is not an option. And at the end of the year, she came back to me. She said, I think it's best if he repeats first grade. I'm going to tell you, that was the hardest decision of my life. Because, number one, I sat with my son every day at the table for an additional 45 minutes, even on a weekend. I did my job. Now, as a parent, if I didn't did, do my job then I would say, okay, but I knew I did my job. And when I, I didn't even want to tell family members because my ego was in the way. And when I talked to my mother, I love my mother and my mother can be my biggest critic, but she does it all in love. And when I told her that I may consider leaving my son back in first grade, she said, what? I wouldn't leave my son back in first grade paying all that money in private school. I wouldn't leave him. I said, mom, it's not your money. It's mm -hmm. my money. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you got a village here. I said, well, mom, it was not the village sitting with me at this table mm -hmm. every day during their 365 days. It was me mm -hmm. and I know what he needs. And like I said, it was the hardest decision I ever made in my life, but I prayed about it. You know, I had to hear God's voice on this mm -hmm. and guess what? I got the okay. And I left my son back in first grade. And I will tell you today, he's in fourth grade, but it was one of the best decisions that I made because socially he wasn't there. He had to mature. And now that he's matured a little, he can focus and he can really, you know, engage with his peers and stuff appropriately. But it was the best decision that I made because I can see those gaps closing now and he's catching up. And that's good. And in life, we always have to repeat certain things. God calls us to repeat things. Maybe if we didn't get the lesson that we should have, but we repeat things. So having it in education, we shouldn't look at it as such a bad thing. Oh, my child has to repeat this grade. It's for their good. Always remember that it's for their good. So back to the question, how can we take the stigma off of special education for one I think it's it starts with the parents a lot of parents don't want to get children tested early because they are embarrassed they are ashamed it makes them feel like they didn't do their job as a parent you know there are a lot of factors that contribute to brain development look at the the BPA the chemicals that they are putting in things and we don't, we don't really see the effects, but it's affecting the fetus. It's affecting brain development. There are a lot of environmental things, the water, it's in everything. We can't get, we can't get past it, but these things are really affecting our children outside of our control. So it starts with the parents. 
And then honestly, when you work with your child, I remember when my son, when I left him back in first grade, before he went back the, um, the next year to this um, first grade classroom, the teacher, my son and I, we had a conversation so that when other kids came up to him, they would say, hey, Yusef, why are you still here? He would say, I'm doing what's best for me. You know, we it was important that we had that conversation so that he could transition well. And then she also spoke with the students who went on to second grade to say, if you see him, we're doing what's best for him. So try to talk to your children because we don't want to bring stigma to another child. So it was a whole team effort. Myself, his teacher, former classmates, and new classmates. So that's what helped. And like parents, I had to talk to my son as well and let him know I'm doing this for your best. He recognized how he was struggling. You have to constantly have these conversations with your child so that they gain the confidence. So no matter what anybody does to come to try to shake them, they won't be shaken. So building that confidence so they won't be ashamed. Even when they get older and they're receiving help and they have confidence in their abilities, they'll say, hey, I'm doing what's best for me. Mm. That's good. That was real good. What has been your biggest challenge in education? I would say the one size fits all approach. You know, in many school districts, most of the children are included because of the mandates from the state, which says they are to be included, you know, to the maximum extent possible which means most of these special education students are placed in a regular education classroom. And unfortunately, if you look in an elementary school, for example, you may have fifth or sixth graders, you know, in a class. But if you have special education students there, the majority of them may be functioning on the kindergarten or first grade level. It is very hard mm -hmm. to put them in a regular education classroom. This is not a one size fits all. I've taught in an inclusive classroom, which means you have children with disabilities and children without. And then you have a regular education teacher who's teaching and you have a special education teacher who goes in to modify, which is to make the curriculum so that the special education students can understand it or they will pull the special education students out at a particular time to work on their IEP goals and objectives. But mainly, most school districts look at it as a one-size-fits-all. And I've also taught special education students in a special education classroom. And honestly, I would say it really benefited those students. They felt comfortable the most. And you didn't get a lot of behaviors, you know, acting out because the students didn't feel frustrated because of the workload. Now, I'm not saying we're not supposed to hold students to high expectations because we are, but we need to build them up to a point before we include them. They need a solid foundation on those developmental skills so that they feel confident, so at least they can read the passage. They may not be able to understand it, but at least the students should know how to read and know basic addiction, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Mm -hmm. So I would say the biggest challenge is that, you know, there is basically the approach to the one size fits all and it doesn't fit all we are all different in society and we cannot longer continue to take this approach especially when educating any child mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now since you've been in education for 18 years do you love educating and what do you love most about it i 
do love educating, especially, you know, each year is different with students. I, I can never say this is the way I teach and that's it. Things change each year with students. And I, I love, I love when I can make a difference. I remember having a student when she was in first grade, she couldn't read. And by third grade, she became my special education student. And she stayed in the school until fifth grade. And when one of my colleagues heard her read one day, he was like, oh my gosh, I remember you. You couldn't read. Mm. You can read now. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. And even my students can see, remember when I couldn't read this mm. and I can read now. So I love when the students can recognize their own growth and see where they were and see where they are now. And let me tell you, I've educated many students over the years and throughout over the years, I can tell you there were probably three students that came back that either gave me a card, mm. you know, to say thank you or recognize me as a teacher out of their mouth. And most recently I was working with a student who wasn't even special education, mm -hmm. but it would take too long for her to get evaluated in the system because she was in fifth grade. Mm. So I'm like, well, by the time she gets evaluated and gets approved for special education services, this could be eighth grade. Mm. And she has problems reading and she did not have any behavioral difficulties. And when I say this girl was really reading when she came out of fifth grade and during COVID, they had like a virtual graduation where they went to several kids home. First thing she said, I'm thankful for Miss Rawlerson. Mm -hmm. Now out of all my students, mm. Nobody never said my name, but the one person who wasn't even eligible, mm. you know, thought it not robbery to say thank you. Mm. I was like, wow, heartfelt. Mm. Makes your heart warm. It does. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Why is it important that students, black students specifically, see us in roles of leadership, especially being a teacher? Children perform better when they see people looking like them. Mm -hmm. I agree. It, it, it's something about the skin that you're in. I'm sorry. Especially when you're a minority. The first thing you notice when you go in a room is who looks like you. Mm -hmm. You know, it breaks the ice. Even though I'm not Hispanic, the school that I teach in is predominantly Hispanic. You know, you see a lot of Dominicans who are browner than I am. Mm -hmm. And when they see me, some of the parents automatically come up to me. They mm -hmm. want to talk to someone who they can relate to. Mm -hmm. And even when I see Spanish speakers, they go up to those other Spanish speaking, speaking teachers. They need to feel comfortable. It breaks the ice. It takes a lot of work out of it. And it helps you build a relationship with parents. So I think it's important, especially, you know, girls need to see black women with their hair. You know, my hair is in locks and it's just amazing. You know, I have a lot of kids say, excuse me, is that your hair? I'm like, yes. I had one boy stop me down and said, miss, is that your hair? I say, yes, it really is my hair. You know, they're just so amazed to see a black woman with long hair, you know, and I'm not the typical depiction of what you think think or what you've been taught of but it's very important especially black girls in my school because it's predominantly hispanic when they see a black woman they're like oh i like her she's pretty oh she looks just like me it gives them a sense of pride like yes we can look like that like we are special too we have long hair we're educated so it gives our black people our black woman our black girls even black boys a sense of pride and sometimes with the little black boys just having a black woman 
coming up to them and talking to them or giving them the eye. Mm-hmm. You know, just that that relationship. It means the most important. I agree. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why um, I transitioned when Imani closed, which was like an African Center education school. I was looking for a job and I went to kinder care on the main line and I was like, well, it's a little too, um, not my type of people here. And I, it, it was a little difficult to connect as well. And I feel myself back at, um, my current job where I used to volunteer and work as a teenager. And it was in my own neighborhood and the children look like me and it's just like you said they thrive better when they see you especially when you're doing it with love so i'm here for it thank you so much kita thank you thank you thank you if i had a thousand tongues i couldn't thank you enough well thank you and you know what last thing it's important because we know our culture Mm -hmm. we can relate we can make connections with these students and explain concepts and things to them that they get, that they understand. Mm-hmm. We don't have to look for the material because we are the material. Mm. And we have sources, okay? We know how to break down this vocabulary, you know, just you know, just slang terms mm-hmm. or just different terms and just equate it to, you know, the English equivalent mm-hmm. so that it unlocks the understanding for our kids, mm-hmm. black and brown. Mm-hmm. And all kids of color. And honestly, white kids too. Mm-hmm. Because when you're a good teacher, honestly, good doesn't have a color on it. Because when you're a good teacher and you really care about these kids, they're all going to learn. Mm-hmm. The best thing that I remember about not just being a special education teacher, but when I'm called to cover a class because a teacher is out, I find myself sitting in a room and the kids are hovered around me in desk. Mm-hmm. And we're talking. I can take a concept, something that we're teaching, and I tell stories. Mm-hmm. I make it engaging. Everybody wants to share. You can hear a pin drop in that room. Mm-hmm. You know, initially the kids don't want me because they know I don't play. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the day, it's like, Miss, you want to be here tomorrow? I'm like, I'll be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's how you know your presence is needed and is felt. Well, thank you again. Well, good people, in the spirit of Restaurant Week, y'all know what segment this is now. It's food, okay? In the spirit of Restaurant Week, which happens twice a year for two weeks at a time, I'm shouting out, it's not on the list though, I'm shouting out My Blue Heaven, located in Sheltonham Township, a thousand southeastern road. They have really good side dishes and their fish is also pretty good. We usually get them catered every once in a while, but they're really good. Make sure you check them out and let them know Good Food, Good People Podcast sent you. Take a picture, tag me so I know you went. Let me know what you think. Tag me, chat with me. Y'all know I live for good food. And tell me about the customer service too, because you know, if I'm being real, I love our black-owned restaurants, but some of y'all customer services don't be on point. I I just don't get it, black people. Let's get it together. I want to spend my dollar there, but make sure, you know, you have good customer service. Kita, please tell the good people what restaurant you're shouting out. Um, The restaurant is called Akimero. It's a wood-burning Latin grill, and it's in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. I actually went with my husband during restaurant week. And when I say the meal was good, Mm. it was good. 
I believe it was like um, four or five courses. And with each course, they came and changed the silverware. Mm. I mean, from appetizer to dessert. Mm. It was delicious. I mean, so delicious that I'm like, I need to go when it's not restaurant week because mm -hmm. the, the fish size portion was not enough for me. I can eat. So <laughs> <laughs> we all can eat. Okay. We love good food over here. All right. But that is good. Please check them out. Remember, if you haven't already, please follow Good Food, Good People Podcast at G-D-F-O-O-D-G-D-P-E-O-P-L-E-P-O-D -E 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 on Instagram. And you do know when you're eating a good meal, you need to finish it up with some good essential water, okay? This is just my little ad so I can get a little um deal with them, all right? So, everyone... Tag them, let them know they need some color and they water, and I'm the color that they need, okay? Be blessed, y'all, but be a blessing too. Remain intentional and always, always seek God before anything else. Be well, good people. Eat good. Surround yourself with good people. And remember to bring good and all the goodness there is home first. See you next time, good people. And side note, my niece is here. Sherry, you want to say hi? <laughs> See y'all.